Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. Acts chapter 27, beginning at verse number 14. Hallelujah. Acts chapter uh, 27, beginning at verse 14. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, but before very long, there rushed down from the land a violent wind called Eurofilo. The ship was caught in it and could not face the wind. We gave way to it and let ourselves be driven along. Running under the shelter of a small island called Clauda, we were scarcely able to get the ship's boat under control. After they had hoisted it up, they used supporting cables and undergirding the ship, and fearing that they might run aground, on the shallows of Sirtis, they let down the sea anchor, and in this way, they let themselves be driven along. The next day, as we were being tossed, as we were being violently storm-tossed, they began jettisoning the cargo. But on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small storm was assailing us, from then on, all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. Verse 21. When they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up in their midst and said, Men, you ought to have followed my advice and not set sail from Crete and incurred this damage and loss. Yet now I urge you to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. This very night, an angel of the God, of the God whom I belong and to whom and whom I serve, stood before me, saying, "Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you." Verse twenty-five. Therefore, keep up your courage, for I believe that it will turn out exactly as I've been told. Verse 22 again, it says, yet now I urge you to keep up your courage. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. The Good News translation renders verse 22 this way. It says, I want to encourage you not to lose heart, for not one of you will die, but the ship is going to fall apart. You may be seated. I want to preach for a little while using as a subject, even if it falls apart. Amen. Even if it falls apart. God, thank you for this time. Help us now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Even if it falls apart. There are many things that we expect to carry us destiny. 
many people, many relationships that we think will be with us forever on the journey. There'll be many times in life where we think we're going to get to a place one way. But life has a funny way of showing us that our plans don't mean anything to God. That the things that we expect to carry us, God does not have to use those things to carry us. And oftentimes the ship or the boat or the plan or the people, the relationships, the strategy that we feel like God is going to use to get us to the place of purpose. Life has a way of tearing those things apart. And now, as we're in the last month of what has been one of the craziest years in recent memory, you can look back over the course of 2020 and see that some of your plans have fallen apart. They've been broken apart on the waves of the sea of life. There were things that you started this year believing that now you don't believe anymore. There were relationships that you had at the beginning of the year that you don't have anymore. There were goals that you had that you realize now will not be fulfilled by the end of the year. And it is because life has a way of causing our best laid plans to fall apart. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that many are the plans of a man's heart, but it is the Lord that determines his course. That it doesn't matter what you decide you're going to do. Doesn't matter what you put on your vision board. Doesn't matter what you write in your journal. Doesn't matter what you put in your notes on your iPhone. Doesn't matter what you scribble on a sticky note and tape to your desk. God says that I'm in control and your plans will fall apart if your plans are not built on me. Some of us are sad now, we're depressed now, we're disappointed now, we have anxiety now because the ship that we were planning on taking us to the place of destiny is falling apart. I, I know we don't want to admit it because we want to act like everything is all good, like our finances are together, that our faith never falters, that we never make any moral failures, but the reality of our life is simply this. Your life will fall apart. Can I get a witness? Is there anybody here who thought you had it together in one area? You thought that you had it pulled together nicely and that you were a model citizen in one aspect or another. But God has a way of allowing life to show you that you don't have it like you think you have it. You're not as well put together as you believe yourself to be. That the front that you perpetrate in front of everybody, God can see right through it. And if you're not careful, he'll make sure that everybody else can see through it too because God needs your plans your stuff to fall apart and some of us are struggling now because we don't know how to say goodbye to the things that we plan for ourselves yeah we don't know how to release our plans we don't know how to release our strategies how to release our goals and give them over to the Lord and so God has to allow life to tear these things apart to let life break it up. Many of us now are hurting because God is breaking it up. Yeah, I don't know what your it is. I don't know what, what it is for you. Um, but for some of us, it's our finances that are breaking up. For some of us, 
It's our professional ambitions that are breaking up. For some of us, it's long-standing friendships and relationships that we thought would and could stand the test of time that are breaking up. For some of us, it is our family that is breaking up. It is our health that is breaking up. For some of us, if we'd be honest, it's our mental stability that is breaking up. We find ourselves falling apart. But the beauty of our lives, beloved, is that even when our best laid plans, our most well thought out strategies fall apart, we serve a God that is still faithful to get us to the place of purpose even when it falls apart. Just because your plans fall apart and just because your hopes are dashed and your dreams are deferred and just because things go bad on you, that does not mean that when they are out of your control that they are out of the control of an almighty uh, all wise and an all powerful God God says that in spite of what you lose I'm still able to get you to the place of destiny and purpose and that's really what's happening in our text beloved I got to move quickly Paul uh, is on his way to Rome to stand trial before Caesar and Luke who is the writer of both the gospel of Luke and its uh, sequel the book of Acts tells us that they set sail from an island called Crete. And Paul, because he's afraid, Paul has an issue with water. He might have been black because he didn't like getting on boats. He didn't want to get on water. Yeah, he, he was from Tarsus, so could have been black. He didn't like getting on boats. Paul says in Crete, we don't need to get on the boat. We need to wait until hurricane season passes. Paul says, we need to wait. They say, no, Paul, we're not going to wait. Caesar has prompted us to get you to Rome immediately. So we're going to get on the boat and we're going to set sail from Crete. But the Bible says that when they are set sailing, a ferocious storm, the King James calls it Eurachlodon, comes to batter and break apart the ship. And they're in the midst of a storm. And they're afraid that the storm is going to kill them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're afraid that the storm is going to tear up the ship. But Paul gets a word in the midst of the storm that tells them that even though the storm is raging, even though the boat is going to be damaged, Everybody in the ship is going to make it to the other side. And this is encouraging to me, Chelsea, because he gives him a word in the midst of the storm that the storm is not going to take them out. And if that was all of the text, I could stop and shout right there. Because God will give you a word in the storm that what you're in is not going to be the end of you. That's worth shouting about, right? Because sometimes when we're in the midst of a situation and we're dealing with the problems and the pain of a situation, we need a word in the midst of the situation that the storm is not going to take us out. Paul gets a word from the Lord that the storm you're in is not going to kill you. And I would shout over that, but I got a problem with that. Because he gets a word from the Lord of the storm that the storm ain't going to kill him, which means that this is not, we, we, we are not polytheists. 
We don't have a pantheon of gods. We don't have a god of the air and a god of the sea and a god of the earth and a god of the wind and a god of the fire. We, we have one god who is God over all the weather. So here's my problem. Paul is in a storm. And if God is in control of the weather, then that means that God either sent the storm or God allowed the storm. Yeah, yeah, that means that either way, whether God sent it or whether God is just allowing the earth to spin on its axis and for storms to come, he's allowed the storm to come into Paul's life. Yeah, that bothers me because you're giving me a word that tells me that you sent something to me that is scaring me, that could damage me. That could harm me, but you sent it. And then you want to try to encourage me by telling me that it's not going to kill me. But God, you didn't have to send it in the first place. See, y'all ain't going to be real with me. See, some of y'all act like you're just okay with everything that God does. Like everything that he does is okay in your mind. And yes, we understand cognitively that everything that he does is ultimately right. But is there anybody here who can testify that even though we know it's right in the end, it don't feel good in the middle while I'm going through it. It might not feel good to me. Even though it's ultimately going to be good for me, I don't like it. And God, you did not have to send the storm. But the blessing in understanding the origin of the storm is this. That means that if the storm comes, there is nothing that happens in the storm that is not subject to the sovereignty of God. That means that everything that's happening in your life is under God's control. Now, this is hard for us because we want to be in control. I know we're not going to admit it, but it's a bunch of control freaks in the room. I know that you're a control freak by how you handle your money. I know that you're a control freak by how you do relationships. You don't do any accountability. You don't allow anybody to talk to you and talk you off the ledge for you make stupid decisions because you want to be in control of your life. And then when your life falls apart, you want prayer. When you have problems, you want submission. Then when your life falls apart, you want accountability. But I know you're a control freak because if you you would submit and be accountable before the storm came. And the problem is, God says, it might be out of your control, but you got to trust that the storm is still subject to my sovereignty. I got this. You can't do nothing about it. You couldn't, if I gave you power, to do something about it. You wouldn't know what to do with the power. God says it's under my control. Which means. That if the ship breaks. In the storm. It's because God wanted the ship. To fall apart. Oh. Oh. Can I tell you something about your plans? About your strategies. About your goals that fell through, about that business plan that didn't work, about that relationship that fell apart and broke your heart. Uh, it was supposed to go apart. The ship was designed to break apart. The, the ship, it was designed to break. And so many of us are so busy 
crying over the fact that the ship has fallen apart. That we don't realize that the destruction of the ship was designed by God. So if you lost it, you didn't lose anything that you wasn't supposed to lose. God help me. See, we're mourning about things that God took away to bless us. And we find ourselves depressed because we're still mourning over things that God said you should be celebrating that they're gone. You're mourning over the fact that it fell apart. But don't miss your opportunity to praise God while mourning over something that you were really secretly hoping he would take away from you anyway. God help me. See, some of us are so bound. God help me. I, I know I'm preaching better than y'all looking at me. I, I, he, some of us are mourning in public over stuff in private, we were praying to God for him to get rid of. Because you think you're supposed to go through the motions. God help me. Uh, you think that when a breakup happens, you're supposed to be sad. Yeah. Yeah, you think that when you lose a job, you're supposed to be at your wit's end. You think that when it falls apart, you're supposed to act crazy. But God says, don't pray in private for me to fix something and then mourn in public when I do it. Or better yet, don't pray for me to move. And then mourn about the method I move in. God help me. Because you said you wanted God to set you free. God help me. Uh, you didn't say how you wanted him to break the chains. God help me. I don't know who I'm preaching through. Uh, who I'm preaching to. But God told me to tell you. You need to stop mourning about the method. And praise him for the result. God help me. See the result is you wanted to be out of that thing. You wanted to trust him more. You wanted him to build your faith. You wanted him to make you a better Christian. So when he's in adversity. You start crying. Because the only way for you to grow. Is through the university of adversity. But God says you don't like adversity. So you start crying when you get it rather than blessing me that I brought you through it some of us are like my children they're like my children I'm not gonna single them out it's only two of them one of them's a boy the other one's not a boy the one that's not a boy um, I'm not gonna single them out but the one that's not a boy um, feels like she needs to commit to the crowd even when she's caught the revelation that there's nothing to cry about. Because she's already started crying. Tyrese, you got a little girl. Watch out for this. Uh, she's going to commit to the crowd. Hashtag girl dad. Yeah. Because if I've already worked up the emotional energy to begin to cry, I'm going to see this tantrum through. Even if you've already shown me that there's nothing to cry about. Okay, y'all don't get it. Uh, my, 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 my other child, the one that's not a boy, um, was hungry. I picked my child that's not a boy up from school early. And uh, she had not had lunch yet. And so uh, she was hungry. Um, because she is a uh, non-male of African descent. Uh, she quickly navigates from hungry to hangry. Um, and uh, she'll move like the needle. It, it just, it'll move from hungry to hangry. And so uh, we're driving, right, to go get something to eat. But she don't know that's where we're going. So she says to me, Daddy, I'm hungry. And 
I don't say nothing back because I'm on the phone, uh, listening to music. I don't say nothing. So after a while, she get mad and start doing. She been doing the same thing, Chris, since she was nine months old. She'll go like this. Ball that lip up and what's wrong? Nothing. I'm fine. Nothing. I'm like, you okay? Yes, honey, I'm fine. And so I realized that she's moved from hungry to hangry. Tears are streaming down her face. I could have stopped earlier to get her something to eat, but I said, you know what? Let's hop on the interstate. And go meet mommy for lunch on the south side. And uh, I noticed she's mad. She's upset. Uh, and you're not yourself when you're hungry. <laughs> you come out of character, you might need a snack. <laughs> but she's, she's crying. But I take her to a place that I know she loves to eat. We pull up in the parking lot, and I can tell that she's happy, but she don't want to let me know she's happy because this is a place, Chelsea, that she had been asking me for weeks to take her to. But since she was out of school early, I had pulled her out of school early. We had some time. I take her to the place. We pull up at the place. She's excited, but she try to hold it in. Because she's committed to letting me know that even though I did what she asked me to do, because I didn't do it in the time frame she asked me, and in the way that she asked me, she felt like she needed to show me that she was upset with me. Even though I came through in the way she asked me to come through, I didn't do it in the time frame and in the method she asked me to come through. So we sitting outside the restaurant, and she got attitude. So then that righteous fatherly indignation rises up in me. I only got a little bit of patience. Y'all don't know my daddy, but my daddy crazy, and it's hereditary. He passed it down to me. And so uh, I tell my daughter, I say, look, uh, you need to straighten your face up um, because I don't have to take you no place. But since you're here in the place you want to be, the way that I, the way that you wanted to be here doesn't matter. You got here. So you need to straighten up your face and enjoy the fact that you're in the place that you asked to be. Yeah, it might have took a shipwreck and a bad day at school and an accident to get you home, but you're here. And you need to learn how to thank your father for bringing you to the place that you wanted to be, even if he didn't get you to the place on time. Even though he didn't get you to the place when you wanted to go. And even though he did not tell you the method that he was going to use to bring you there. And some of us are so committed to letting God know that we upset. That when he brings us out, we run the risk of being ungrateful for deliverance. Because we want to show people how sad we are about what we lost in the storm. But y'all tripping about the ship. I lost the ship. The ship with a P, y'all. A P. Ship. Boat. <laughs> Vessel. <laughs> Some of y'all. <laughs> yeah, 
yes, it's, it's, it's a ship. <laughs> Some of y'all need to stop cussing. <laughs> y'all say, ooh, Bishop then got a little loose today. He said, it's a ship with a P. reason why some of y'all laughing so hard is because y'all full of shit. <laughs> I, I'm in the lesson. <laughs> full of shit is in my notes. No, because I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, we, we misappropriate the ship, the vessel, when we become more attached to the vessel than we are to the destination. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, some of you are full of shit. You're, you're so attached to how God gets you there. You're so attached to the method that God uses that you miss the fact that the vessel is not important. The destination is. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Like, like some of y'all, you got these lists and you got these ways that you need God to move before you can praise him, before you can thank him, before you can be grateful. But God says, I I'm not subject to your method. I I'm not subject to how you think it's supposed to happen. I'm not subject to the type of church you feel like you need to be a part of, the type of preacher you think you need. The type of worship you think you're supposed to have. I'm not subject to that. I'm going to move the way I feel is best for you. Because I know what's best for you. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Because your appetite. Uh, your appetite is a product of your perspective. And your perspective. Is a product of your exposure. You know what I'm saying? What you desire, your appetite, is a product of what you can see and how you see it. And how you see things is a product of what you've been allowed to see. So when I ask my children, are they hungry? They're going to say McDonald's. They're going to say candy. They're going to say any measure of junk food because your appetite is a product of your perspective. To them, that's good food. But to a father, I know that there's only so many empty calories and sugar you can feed a child and expect them to be healthy. Now, when I tell them, no, you're not having McDonald's, they might be mad at first. But once they see daddy cooking in the kitchen, they understand that what he has for me is better than what I wanted for myself. And I cannot allow myself to be so limited by my perspective that I don't understand that my father God is working in the kitchen of life to prepare something that is better than the ship I thought he was going to use to get me to the place. Y'all don't understand. See, uh, God says, I've got to change your perspective. 
And in order to change your perspective, I've got to expose you to something greater than you've ever seen before. But the only way that I can show you how great I am is by allowing a storm to come into your life that challenges how you see me. The storm is the stage that is set by God to reveal to you how big he actually is. That's why he sends the storm. He, he sends the storm to let you know how big he is. Because he's going to break the ship up. He, he's going to tear up the ship. And that's, that's really, that's, that's, that's the bad news for some of you today. Because even though it's December, 2020 is almost over, you still haven't caught the revelation that God is not concerned with your ship. As a matter of fact, some of you have so idolized your method, your plan, your goals, who you believe yourself to be, this persona that you've created, that God is on assignment to destroy your ship. Your ship is at war with God because God is trying to show you that you're not who you think you are. The Bible doesn't say don't think of yourself highly. It just says don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Because God has given to every man, what, a measure of faith. You got to know who you are. And sometimes God sends a storm to reveal to you that you're not what you think you are. He has to tear up the ship. Yeah. God sends the storm to tear up the ship. And the text shows us something uh, uh, beautiful. He says, God sends the storm. He's not going to allow any lies to be born. But he's going to destroy the ship. Why does God destroy the ship? Number one, if you're taking notes. Uh, God allows the ship to be destroyed to prove to those around him that even in the midst of the storm, he's still got you protected. Yeah. God allows the storm to tear up the ship. So that he can prove to those around you that even in the midst of the storm, he's got you covered. Check this out. In chapter uh, 28, we find out that many of the soldiers that were guarding the prisoners and the prisoners themselves thought that God had allowed the storm to destroy Paul because he was guilty. Because the Bible says that even after he made it out the storm, he got bitten by a snake on the ship. And their rationale for him getting bitten by the snake, watch this, is that he escaped the storm. But since God wanted him to die, he got bitten by a snake. And you got to be careful for people who try to pronounce judgment on you after you just made it out of something. Yeah. Uh, uh, people want to judge you, but they don't know what God brought you out of. Yeah. They want to condemn you, but they don't know what he just rescued you from. Paul had been rescued from the storm, but they said since he'd been rescued from the storm, the snake was going to kill him. But God preserved Paul in the storm because he wanted to prove to those people who were watching him that his hand was still on Paul's life. Even though he was in the midst of the storm. Yeah, he, 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 he wants to show them that just because it's raining in your life, 
That does not mean that God is not with you. That the storm, hear me now, is not a sign that you have been abandoned by God. I want to be clear because some of us have given into this theology that tells us that if things are going wrong in our lives, it's because God has abandoned us. But God wants you to understand and he wants the people around you to understand that if he allows the storm, he's going to keep you in the storm because you've got a place to be. Okay? I got to move. Uh, he, he proves, he wants to prove that even in the storm he's got you covered. Uh but here, here, here's, here, here's, here's the one I like. Um, God allows the storm to break up the ship because he wants to prove, because in the first point, he's proven to people around you. Second point, he's proven to you that he doesn't need a ship to get you where he's called you to be. <laughs> uh, some people are crazy enough to believe that God needs a boat to get you to the place he's called you to be. But if God needed anything, he would not be God. You do understand that that is what uh, the word holy means. Right? Holy means holy other, completely different. Right? It means self-sufficient. Because God is holy, he does not need anything outside of himself to do anything for himself. You need God. Every time you inhale and exhale, you need God to grant permission for the air to come in and for the carbon monoxide to go out, dioxide to go out. You, 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 you need his permission. But God doesn't need anything from you to be God. He is God, Grandmama said, all by himself. Yeah. And God wants you to know that I can get you to your destination without anything man-made. You do understand, God does not make ships. People do. <laughs> God does not need your help to get you to his destination for your life. So that means that if there is too much human effort that needs to be expended, chances are, that you're doing your thing and not God's thing. God help me. See, this is why I'm a lot less stressed out in this season of my life in ministry, Jay. Because I understand that all I got to do is be obedient. And after obedience, everything else is on the Lord. Now, yeah, you got to work. You got to get up. You got to do what you're supposed to do. You got to be diligent. You got to be faithful. All of that good stuff. But some of us are just doing so much extra trying to make something work because it ain't God's plan. If it don't flow, then it's probably not from him. Y'all hear what I'm saying? If it does not flow, it's probably not from God. And we got to get to the place where we understand that God doesn't need the ship. He doesn't need the ship. Pastor, what are you talking about? God doesn't need your plan. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need your friends. He doesn't need the relationship you thought he needed. God does not need anything from you to get you to the place he has called you to be. Do you hear what I'm saying? So some of us are expending effort doing what my mother would call a fool's errand, 
because you're never going to get what you think you're supposed to get because God ain't called you to get it. You're trying to make something happen that God ain't called to make happen. And see, here is the sad part. Some of you, because you got gifts, because you have natural talent, because you have natural ability, you will make something happen for yourself. And you'll think that God is blessing it. When in actuality, you're having to keep it running by yourself. That's why you're so emotionally drained. That's why you always agitated. That's why you play like you living in purpose on Facebook, but in your private hours, you stressed out crazy about to lose your mind. It is because God ain't in that. The Bible says the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. It's not talking about financial wealth. It's talking about the richness of life. And it adds no sorrow with it. Yeah, if God is blessing you, then you ain't going to cry about what he's blessing you with at night. My children get on my nerves, but I thank God for them every day. Was glad to be away from them, but I couldn't wait to see them. Ain't that crazy? That's the paradox of blessings that add no sorrow. You might get agitated, but at the end of the day, you still love it because you know it's from the Lord. Every time I look at those children, they are proof to me. That God can bring something beautiful out of crazy places. You hear what I'm saying? Because every time we had a child, we was going through something crazy. Either personally or something was going on in our lives crazy. But God allowed that thing to bless us because it's his blessing. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah, some of y'all are stressed out because you're trying to manufacture stuff. You're trying to make stuff happen that God ain't called to happen. Okay? Uh, I, I got to quit. My time is gone. So God says he wants you to know that he doesn't need a ship to get you where he's called you to get. Okay? So this is what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, don't, I don't need, I got two more points. You've got to praise God even when you get a word that tells you that the ship is going to fall. You got to praise God, even when you get a word that the ship is going. Can you picture going to a revival meeting? You depressed, <laughs> married folk. You didn't had trouble in your marriage. Your spouse getting on your nerves. Your, your job is crazy, and you go to a revival meeting. You expect to get a prophetic word, and the prophet stands up and says, "Mr. Heaven, <laughs> that thing is about to fall apart." Now give him a praise right there. <laughs> can Can you picture? Going into a meeting, needing a prophetic word, and they say, hey, you've been praying for God to move on this job. Has God said tomorrow when you walk in, you're going to say, Lord, you be rebuking the devil. Loose here. I don't receive that. You're a false prophet. Loose here, devil. But what if the word of the Lord is that thing that you've been praying to work ain't going to work? See, some of us say we want God to speak until he says something we don't want to hear him say. Paul says, I got a word from the Lord that the ship is going to fall apart. But you got to praise him even when you get the word that the ship is going to fall apart. Why? Because I believe the word of the Lord 
over the testimony of my circumstance. See, my circumstance tells me I can't make it without the ship. I can't live without the relationship. I can't survive without the job. If I lose this, I'm going to lose everything. But God says you're going to make it even if the ship doesn't make it. Even if the relationship doesn't make it. Even if your job lets you go. I'm going to provide for your needs. You're going to be able to raise your children. You're going to be successful even if it falls apart. And you've got to learn how to believe the word of the Lord over and above your circumstances. I can praise him when he tells me that the ship is falling apart because I know God don't need a ship. The God that walked on water doesn't need a boat to transport me on water. The God who spoke water into existence doesn't need a vessel to carry me over the sea. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah, I got to praise him. Even when I get the word. That the ship is falling apart. Yeah. But I got to praise him because I got a purpose, hear me, that is greater than the storm. Paul said, the angel told me that I got to testify before Caesar. He told me that the ship that was designed to get me there is going to fall apart. But I've got an assignment in Rome and I'm going to get there even if the ship does not make it. Because I got a purpose that's greater than the storm. And somebody needs to understand that now. You might be going through a storm, but you got a purpose that's greater than the storm. And you got to believe that down in your soul when everything is falling apart, when you feel like you're losing your mind, when you feel like you're not going to make it, you got to believe that you've got a purpose in God that is greater than what you're going through. And that's why things can't stay like this. That's why things won't be like this forever because I understand that I've got something to do that's great. I can't end in depression. I can't end in anxiety. I can't end broke. I can't end sick because I've got a purpose that's greater greater than the storm. He tells Paul, he says, Paul, you're going to make it to Rome. Because they need to hear your story. There's a church there that needs to be encouraged by you. There are saints that need to hear the story of your martyrdom. There are people that are waiting on you. That's, some of y'all need to know that. You're, you're so focused on the storm that you don't realize that you've got something in you that's greater than the rain clouds. God get me. You, you've got something in you that's stronger than the lightning, that's, that's, that's louder than the thunder, that's bigger than the clouds. You've got a purpose that's greater than the storm. I've got a purpose that's greater than the storm. I've got to believe the word of the Lord over my circumstance. Yeah. I'm going to make it. And you got to learn how to prophesy to yourself. You, you might not have the gift of foresight or a word of knowledge, but you got to learn how to prophesy. Speak the word of God over your situation. 
and tell yourself in the midst of problems, pain, persecution, trial, tribulation, hell, and high water, I'm going to make it to my destination. That I've got a, I've got a purpose on the other side of this storm. Here, here, here's what blesses me. Verse 39 says that Paul says they couldn't recognize the land when they came. They didn't recognize the land. Paul says that at night they were in a storm. They thought the storm was going to kill them. But when the day came, they looked up, and they didn't know where they were, but they could see land from the ship. Paul says, when we woke up, we didn't know where we were, but we knew that there was land in our eyesight. And all we had to do was make it to land. But there's a problem. I can see land. I'm still in the ship. But I know, Kyrie, that the ship is going to fall apart because that's what God said. So the question is, how am I going to make it to land? I can see the land. I'm standing in the ship. But I know that the ship is going to fall apart. So how am I going to get from here to there? Yeah. I can see successful business, but I'm standing in ain't got no money. I can, I, I, can, I can see that I'm marriage material, but I'm still standing in singleness. I, I can see uh, financial prosperity and me being generous to help others, uh, but I'm standing in barely making it. H how do I get from here to there? But the Bible says in verse 44, and I promise y'all I'm done. The Bible says in verse 44 <laughs> uh, that they made it to the shore. Some on planks and others, here's the NASB, this scholarly translation. It says on various things from the ship. Uh, I, I, know, I, I know that that, that sounds cute, but I, I got to read it in the King James because the King James uh, it says, and some on board, and others, check this out, on broken feet. God help me. That, that, that some people <laughs> were able to grab hold to boards to make it to shore. But then there are some of us that just grab hold to whatever we could find. And it carried us to God's destination. Oh, God help me. And the question is, why does God allow us to make it on broken pieces? <laughs> why does God allow me to keep a piece of the relationship, to, to keep memories from the job, to keep lessons from that supervisor, to, 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 to keep pieces of the ship? It's because God wants you to understand that a piece of the boat, God help me, with God is better than a whole ship without God. God, help me. 
See, some of us are so addicted to the boat that we'd rather have the boat if Jesus ain't on it. But some of us have gotten to the place where we'll take broken pieces if that means that God is in the midst of the broken pieces. And I know some of y'all are too bougie to admit it, but is there anybody here that's real enough to say that's your testimony? You've been sailing through 2020, not on a yacht, not on a boat, not in a speedboat, but you've been hanging on on a broken piece. But somehow or another, you didn't sink under the storms and the winds and the waves of life. God has allowed you to make it on broken pieces. And I'm preaching to somebody here. God says you're going to make it on broken pieces. But here's the shouting point. It says they all made it safely to land. Didn't say that Paul made it safely to land. Didn't say that Luke made it safely to land. It said that everybody that was with him, God help me, uh, made it safely to land. And God told me to tell somebody that you're going to make it. But you're not just going to make it for you. That everybody that's connected to you, God help me, is going to make it to dry land. And I don't know who I'm preaching to, but God told me that you've been praying for somebody. You didn't know how they were going to make it. You didn't know how they were going to recover. You didn't know how they were going to get through it. And, and to be honest, you're tired of going through it with them. But God says that when you make it to land, God help me, you're not going to make it by yourself. That somebody you've been praying for, God help me, oh God, is going to make it. And I don't know who's in the building today, but is there anybody who can say, I just, I don't need to just make it for me, God help me. But I got a family line that I'm trying to clean up. I'm, I've got generational curses that I'm trying to break. I've got yokes I'm trying to see destroyed. I've got a family that I need to see saved. I need my whole family to make it. And if we're going to make it, God help me. We're going to make it on broken pieces. Look at somebody and say, neighbor, God said you're going to make it out. But when you come out, it might not be pretty. You might have to make it on broken pieces. Look at somebody and say, neighbor, you're going to make it. Even if you got to grab just a piece. And some of you have been making it on a piece of your right mind. You've been making it on a piece of money. You've been making it on a piece of mental health. But God told me to tell you that he's getting ready to help you make it. Even if you got to make it on a piece. Is there anybody here in the building today who can testify that I'm going to make it? But I only got a piece left. But I got a piece of faith. I've got a piece of joy. Some of you in here, you could barely lift up your hands because you only had a piece of a praise. You only had a piece of joy. But God said, if you give me a piece, I'm able to make it stretch. Is there anybody here who understands that the Lord can 
help you make it on a piece. I wish I had a witness here, but I brought a book of witnesses with me. The children of Israel were walking through the wilderness, and they didn't have a soul food bistro to go eat at. But the Lord gave them a piece of bread and a piece of meat to make it through for 40 years in the wilderness. I got two children, and every year I got to get them new shoes because their shoes will wear out after a year of school. But somehow those children of Israel were able to make it for 40 years on a piece of clothes and a piece of shoes. Their clothes didn't wear out and their shoes didn't wear out. Y'all don't hear me here. There were 5,000 people who needed food, but they didn't have anything to eat. But the Bible says that Jesus took two pieces of fish and five pieces of bread, and he used them to feed a multitude, because he'll help you make it on broken pieces. Is there anybody here who believes that the Lord will help you make it on broken pieces? I know y'all don't want to shout, but I feel like lifting him up. I know the Lord will help you make it on a broken piece. Yes, Lord, because there was a man named Jesus. They beat him all night long. Yes, Lord, they broke his body all the way down. But he took a piece of a cross up that hill. They put nails in his hand and nails in his feet and they beat him. They stuck him in the side, put a crown of thorns on him. But at the end of the day, he got up from the grave with all power because God will help you make it on a broken piece. Is there anybody here who was looking at your bank account and said, all I got is broken pieces? You were looking in the mirror and said, all I got is broken pieces. But if you trust in God, he'll help you make it on a broken piece. Look at your name and say, neighbor, all I have is a broken piece. All I have is just a little bit. Look at him and say, neighbor, all I have is a little bit. I got a little bit of mine. I got a little bit of a marriage. I got a little bit of money. I got a little bit of time. A little bit of education. A little bit of connections. A little bit of peace. But I found out that a little bit with God is better than a whole lot without him. Let's have church now. Look at somebody. Grab them by the hand and say, neighbor, 
I feel like preaching now.
the testimony. And I think Paul got that revelation when he had finally made it to Rome and he was sitting in jail and he wrote the book of Ephesians and he said now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think tell somebody just one more time say never I can't bother you no more after this but tell them neighbor he's able he's able he's able he's able he's able if you believe that the Lord is able testify. I was in the airport with my wife going to the plane and my heart started beating fast. I started having chest pain. I was getting short of breath every couple of steps. I had to tell my wife, baby, I got to stop. I need a break. I got to quit here. I don't know how I'm going to make it to the plane. You run on ahead of me. I was, I was losing my breath and my chest was hurting. I didn't know what was happening to me, Brother Herman. And I woke up this morning and I got to my car carrying the same bags down to my car that I carried through the airport with chest pain. But when I carried them this morning, I didn't have any pain. When I got out my truck this morning, I walked into the church and I wasn't short of breath. Didn't know if I was going to be able to preach. But I'm standing here and I feel all right now because God is able. And I don't know who I'm preaching to, but God told me to tell you that the enemy has been trying to take you out. But if he saved me, if he lifted me, he's going to lift you up. It is no secret what God, what God can do. What he done, what he's done, what he's done, what he's done for others, he'll do. I said he'll do it. 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 He'll do it for you. What do you need, God? What do you need him to do? I tell you that he's able. He'll make a way out of no way. Won't he heal? Heal your body. I'm sorry, y'all. I done got happy now. This ain't for you no more. But this is the preacher's praise. I believe I serve a mighty God. He will heal you. I know you got a bad report from the doctor. They say sickness is about to take over your body. But is there anybody here? That believes he was wounded for your children. He 
said, he was bruised for your iniquity. That the chastisement that brought his peace, that brought us peace, was upon him. And by his stripes, you are healed. I don't care what the doctor said. Whose report will you believe? Is there anybody here? I said, is there anybody here who can testify that I know the Lord is able. Tell somebody he's going to do it. You're still going to make it. Your marriage is not over. Your purpose has not been aborted. I don't care how much you drank. I don't care who you slept with. I don't care how wrong you've been. You're going to make it to the other side. Is there anybody here? Look at somebody and say, neighbor, the vaccine hasn't been released, so I can't touch you in the natural, but I can pull you in the spirit and tell you we're going to the other side. We're going to to our destination. Tell them you're not going by yourself, but you're going to make it to the other side. 